Uh, I, I want to begin what I want to share with you this morning with a question, and this is a little bit of a chance for you Sunday school nerds to show off, and uh, by just yelling out what you think the answer is to this question. What is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before returning to the Father? What was the last thing? I know Scott West is just, he knows the answer. He's letting... <laughs> He's giving you all a chance to answer the question. What is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples or told his disciples before he returned to the Father? Go and make disciples. Someone else. I'll be with you to the very end. Some, someone else. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Good. Someone else. There is a right answer, by the way. And I know it because I was prepared for this morning. <laughs> Anybody else? Everyone's scared. Come on, guys. Like, it's okay. All right. The last thing Jesus told his disciples before returning to the Father. Here it is. Acts 1, 8 through 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay? So next time when I ask this question, you know that the answer is two things. First, Jesus says, you will receive power. Uh, we have this slide, Jonathan. This might be helpful. You will receive power so you see that word uh, dunamis, looks like dynamic, that's, that's, those words are related, uh, like a, dyna, uh, a dynamism, if you will. You will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit, or pneuma, the, the animating breath and presence of God comes on you. You'll receive power when that happens. And you will be my witnesses. Uh, that, that word is pronounced martus. Does it look like another word to you? Martyr. It's the same. You will be my witnesses. You will bear witness. This is how the disciples of Jesus, all disciples of Jesus, participate in God's redemptive mission. The way we participate in God's redemptive mission is we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we bear witness to Jesus. That's how we do it. So we've talked for years about joining God in the renewal of all things. Nobody really knows what that means. It's really, really big. It's really, really large. But it begins here. It doesn't end here, but it begins here. Because the way that we bear witness, we can bear witness in many, many ways. But to join God in the thing that he's doing, this redemptive renewal project, which, by the way, we find uh, partly uh, sort of explained or articulated in Colossians 1. This is the Apostle Paul. This is going to be very familiar to those of you who have been around TGC for any length of time. The sun is the image of the invisible God. So, of course, the sun being Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. Not that he was born um, or created, but this is um, not, an, not necessarily in like sort of um, chronological order, but in terms of importance or priority. He's the first, the, the biggest over creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now watch this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, joining God in the renewal of all things. Jesus, your kingdom come in New York as it is in heaven, in all things and in all ways, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So this is the redemptive mission of God and how it's unfolding through Jesus, who is the image and the fullness of God. God is reconciling all things to himself, which is to say God is undoing the curse of sin and death right now in our midst in the world. And that's what he's been doing, making all things whole again, all those things that have been broken. And the way that God is doing that, reconciling all things to himself, is through Jesus, specifically, Paul says, his shed blood on the cross. So I'm going to let you off the hook this morning because I think the scriptures do this. Our job is not to be Jesus. We already have one of those. Our job is to bear witness to Jesus. Jesus is the Word, capital W, the revelation of God, the logos, the the image of God in the world, perfect, uh, the perfect man. And therefore, it's through this man, Jesus, that God does what he wants to do. Now, our invitation is not to redo the things that Jesus did. We don't come and give our lives so that the whole world might be redeemed. Jesus already accomplished all of that so that everything that is true in heaven is true on earth for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has already done that for us. He's reconciled us to him. The job of the disciple of Jesus is to bear witness to that. It is to bear witness to the activity of Jesus in our lives, which is reconciling us. Not just has reconciled, but continues to reconcile us in all of our humanness, in all of, all of who we are, to make us one. So you don't have to be a biblical scholar to do that. You don't have to be a biblical st- scholar to share your story of how you're experiencing Jesus. You, you don't have to have all of the answers. What if someone asks me a question, I don't, you're not trying to sell a car here. You're just simply bearing witness to the way that God has shown up in your life in the person of Jesus. And most often that's in our, that's in, that's in our areas of brokenness because again, that's what God has come to do in the person of Jesus. It is to meet us where sin has broken us and is to bring us back to reconcile us, to renew us. You simply have to share your story to participate in the thing that God is doing. And it's so easy to look at the injustice in our world and wonder what difference you could possibly make. Um, uh, Writer Rebecca Solnit, some of you might be familiar with her. I was not until this week. The ability to tell your own story, she says, in words or images is already a victory, already a revolt. A victory, a revolt against the darkness and brokenness and the curse of sin and death. That's what we're doing when we share our stories. That's why it was so important, I think, for Jesus in his final words to the disciples to call them to to do that, to share their story, to bear witness to what Jesus had done, what, what they had seen Jesus do. That's what your life does. Like the disciples, the first disciples, your life And every way that God has shown up in your life bears witness to the risen Jesus. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who is alive. We serve a God that's continuing to make all things new 
to give life to all things. So when we look throughout the scriptures, we see that a, a witness in the Bible was just simply that. It was someone who saw something amazing or important and then did the act of bearing witness, which is the simple act of talking about what they had seen. That's it. That's what it is to, to bear witness. And Jesus tells the disciples uh, in his last sort of address with them that they'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and they'll be his witnesses. And so what the disciples do? They go back to the, the city of Jerusalem and they wait. They wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then the, the scriptures say that on the day of Pentecost, which... We don't call the day the Holy Spirit came Pentecost. It was Pentecost before the Holy Spirit came. It was uh, the last uh, sort of final celebration of the Passover when the Jews would celebrate the Harvest Festival. And so while they're sort of concluding this Passover, uh, this large Passover festival, on the, on the final day celebrating the harvest, what sounds like a mighty wind blew from heaven and it filled the house. And then the Holy Spirit, we read in the scriptures, filled the disciples. There's even like this visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which I've never seen, but this visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit, says, the scriptures say that it looked like tongues of fire were resting on the disciples as the Holy Spirit filled them. And then what do the disciples do as soon as they are filled with the Holy Spirit? They begin bearing witness to the resurrected Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes, it makes all this commotion, this like crazy sound, and then that attracts all of these people who were in the city celebrating this festival. As they come, they start wondering, you know, they start asking questions about what's going on, and the disciples take the opportunity, begin to talk about what it was that they saw Jesus do. And in Acts 1, we read that 3,000 people were added to their number that day because of why? Because of the story that the disciples told. And so what I just want to say this morning, I feel this so, uh, so passionately about our own community, that like, like the disciples that have gone before us, having been filled with the Holy Spirit when, when we confessed Jesus as Lord, we are called to tell our stories. I, I think a lot of us overcomplicate this calling. That probably comes from church. If you've been in church for any length of time, you probably got this whole thing like I did. I mean, I, I attended a course, I don't remember how many weeks it was, like a semester on how to share my faith. But it wasn't really sharing my faith. It was how to basically you know, sell encyclopedias, except it was Jesus we were selling instead. It was literally like a door-to-door -door kind of situation. I was scared to death, man. You had to memorize all this stuff and you had this little script and say, if they say this, then you say that. And if they say this other thing, then you do this other thing. I was like, oh my gosh. And um, I was nervous, man. And so, um, so I didn't do it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I, I, my personality is like, if there's a game I can't win, I'm not gonna play that game. <laughs> I'm undefeated in life. And so maybe you feel like that as well. It's like, oh my gosh, that's such a big thing. Like, you've got to bear witness. You've got to know this. What if they ask this story about, like, the problem of evil in the world? Or about all the ethical implications of what the Bible says? Or, what, I mean, what if they ask all these things? I just don't know. But really, it's as simple as just telling someone about what you've seen Jesus do. That's what Jesus meant. He just said, look, all the stuff you saw me do, just tell people about that. That'll be enough. And it was. 
So no matter your level of spiritual maturity this morning, some of you come in this morning, you've been walking with Jesus for a really long time, you're a mature follower of Jesus, you know not only how to feed yourself spiritually, but you also know and probably are engaged in the act of helping to feed other disciples of Jesus. Uh, others of you on the other end of the, the spectrum, you're maybe just searching and um, you're asking questions and you're longing and you, you, you want to just see what it is that, that Jesus has to say or what Jesus is all about. But here's what's beautiful about that. It's really as simple as just telling. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have some level of spiritual maturity or depth of insight or wealth of knowledge. We can all simply tell other people about what we've seen Jesus do. You know what's really great about sharing those stories in community with one another is so Ben came up here and he shared his story. And Ben and I have different stories. That's not my story. But like, man, I feel like I've witnessed and continue to get to witness what Jesus is doing in Ben. Like, so me bearing witness, I don't even have to tell my story all the time. I can tell Ben's story. And all of you today, now, as you leave this place, you have another story to tell. What have I seen Jesus do? Man, I know you're going through a hard thing and it feels like you can't get out of it. Man, I have a friend named Ben. He's a part of our community. And man, he's like in his fourth year of sobriety. He's an artist, man. It was really hard. It was really tough. But, but man, just like that's what Jesus is doing in his life. See that? No, you didn't have to memorize a Bible verse or tell like a, uh, some sort of scripture reference or like the two diagnostic questions or whatever. You didn't have to learn any of that. We're just telling people what we see Jesus do. So we see that through all the scriptures, uh, throughout the scriptures. There's the uh, story that takes place where um, Jesus visits the town of Bethany after getting word that his friend, his close friend, Lazarus, has died. And we know that they were close because he wept when he found out. And uh, so Jesus goes and um, he has the people roll the stone away and there's some objections because of like the smell that's gonna come out, the grave, he'd, uh, the tomb, he'd been in there too long. And they do it anyway because it's Jesus and Jesus tells them to do it and, 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 and then after they roll it away, Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth and here comes Lazarus, like a mummy, literally, like stumbling out. And it never says if he smelled or not, but I, I, I bet he didn't. I bet it was like just the incense of heaven. I don't know, he probably smelled, but... Um, he comes out, and then it's like, the people are just like, I mean, if you saw that, wouldn't you tell people about it? I mean, the only fear is like, people are going to think you're crazy. Maybe that's why we don't tell our stories, because we think people are going to think we're crazy. But we're called to. Um, John 12, 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Long after it happened. They're still talking about it. I saw a man, literally, who had been dead for days, come out of the grave, and we had to cut the grave clothes off of him. I saw it when Jesus said, come forth. Uh, the story of the Samaritan woman, she was an outsider, an outcast in her own community. She had to draw water in the middle of the heat of the day because nobody else really wanted to be around her or near her. She wasn't really sort of like ingratiating herself to the community. She had had all these husbands. It was just a mess. And then Jesus shows up at that time. And they have an incredibly powerful encounter. And uh, in John 9, 25, um, uh, oh, sorry, uh, in John 4, 39, we read, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That was her testimony. Hey, tell me about your encounter with this guy, this stranger, this Jew who's coming through Samaria. Tell me about him. 
I've never met this guy before in my life, and he knew my life with a level of detail that people in this town don't even know. And he told me everything about me. And just simply based on that testimony, that bearing witness, people believed. Uh, I love the, in particular, I, I taught about the blind man last week being, um, being healed by Jesus. And when the religious leaders finally corner the blind man after Jesus had healed him, and they're asking, they're like, they're just like they won't leave this guy, and they're just hounding him about who healed him, who healed him, who healed him, who is this Jesus? And it says that he answered, the blind man answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I, what I want you to notice in particular in this story is where, where do you think this guy is in his spiritual development? He didn't even know if Jesus was a sinner or not. I don't know who this guy was. I don't know. I mean, I've heard some people talking about him as a prophet, and some people said maybe he's a teacher, and some other people said maybe he's like Elijah, come back from the dead, and some other people actually think he's the Messiah. I've also heard some people call him Satan, so I don't really know. Maybe he is a sinner. But what I do know, and as you all know, I was born blind, and now I see. That was it. That was the totality of his answer of his witness. Yeah, ben has a story to share. He's been set free from addiction to alcohol and is learning to live in the freedom of Jesus. And I'm, I'm sure Ben would tell you if you sat down with him, he continues to encounter the grace of Jesus when he stumbles. And that's a powerful story. One of our goals this year as a church is to make the sharing of our stories normative. So it's not like, oh, cool, our church, like, we're like a storytelling church. Well, we're just trying to like, obey what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. We could do all these great things, and if yet we're not willing to just bear witness to what Jesus has done in our lives, we're not really, we're not really doing what it is he's called us to do. I love that any of us can do it. So God is doing something in my life. It may or may not be finished, but I'm going to tell others about it. All of us have a story to tell. Every one of us this morning has a story to tell. So as I mentioned earlier, we're beginning a three-month season focused on freedom today. And so I want you to think about your own life now, your own story. And I want you to think about this, the answer to this question. How is God setting me free? Now, you, you might not have thought about what's going on in your life in those terms. That's fine. But I imagine that God is working something in, in many of you, specifically in this area of freedom. And if you think about it, you might go, oh, that is, I think, what God's doing in me. How is God setting me free? Which is, in essence, me asking you, how are you experiencing the freedom of Jesus in your life right now. So I want to create a little bit of space for you now to reflect on this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold space. Normally what we do when we get together, and this is to our detriment, is we try to fill space. Um, there are other historical Christian movements that have been so great at, at holding space to allow God to do in that space what he wants to do. 
what God wants to do. So I wanna, I wanna hold some space this morning, not long, maybe a minute or so, but it's to, to answer this question. So we're gonna come back to the question that I asked you at the beginning this morning. How is my life bearing witness right now to the freedom Jesus brings? Okay, what I'm not asking is how are, who are you telling or how are you telling your story? That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, how is the freedom of God working itself in you and your story right now? That's what I'm asking, okay? So I'm gonna, let's leave that slide up and I'm gonna hold, like I said, about a minute or so of space and, um, and then we're gonna come back together, okay. How is my life bearing witness right now to the freedom that Jesus brings?